catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. This is Kevin Klein here. Your Los Angeles Dodgers, the 2020 World Series champions, are off to a 10-2 start. Absolute fire thus far. They've already taken two games from the Colorado Rockies, and they'll be playing the third game in just a couple hours as we're recording this. David Rosenthal, how you doing today? What's standing out to you with this Dodgers team thus far? I'm doing good, Kevin. Uh, the only thing that stands out to me about this Dodgers team is they are – far and away the best team in baseball. It is not even close. I can't even name what would be the second best team, but it doesn't matter because this team is absurd. I don't even know how, I think they've played one game, maybe two with uh, Bellinger, Betts and Seager in the lineup. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This team is a cheat code and it's been fun to watch. Yes, absolutely. Jake Reiner, how are you doing today? Doing great. Similarly to what David just said, this team is quite possibly the best constructed Dodgers roster I've ever seen. And I say that considering the fact that the second best Dodgers roster I've ever seen constructed was in 2020. This is even better. When you talk about the, the starting rotation, the bullpen, the fact that they can put out pretty much any lineup they want and still have a chance to win is just remarkable. Now, with that being said, the Dodgers have played the Rockies twice so far this season, so that's helped a little bit. The Oakland A's aren't as good as I thought that I thought they were, and the Nationals are okay. So we haven't really seen them face uh, any sort of tough competition. But like David said, this team is uh, far and away the best team in baseball, and it's 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 fun to watch, and it's also uh, you know a great opportunity for you know, these young guys to step up to show what they're made of. Zach McKinstry has been awesome so far. And then to also allow the guys that may be a little banged up like Betts and Bellinger to kind of have that grace period to be fully recovered before returning to action. Well, you wanted some tough competition that's coming up right around the corner. We're going to talk about it in depth in just a few minutes, but the Dodgers will be going down to San Diego for what will be the first three game series against that Slam Diego Bunch. They're going to play them 19 times this season. We'll talk about the pitching matchups, the two teams, the roster constructions, all that. But for now, let's just focus on what the Dodgers have been doing thus far. I already mentioned they've taken two from the Rockies. They're already, I want to say, five and one against them on the season thus far. They swept the Nationals. Two of those games, they shut that team out. A little payback from 2019. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, just on a roll thus far besides that BS start in Colorado, he's now two and one on the season. He's improved his ERA to a masterful 
289, but it's even better than that. If you look at the FIP, it's now a 159. He's thrown 16 strikeouts over 18.2 innings. So Clayton Kershaw getting the job done for these Dodgers early. I mean, look, everyone that was worried about Clayton Kershaw after the, the first game of the season can just chill out for a second because this guy is absolutely just a stud. I mean, the, the, we've talked about it before, but just the ability to adjust um, to his capabilities has been unbelievable. I mean, he's the most adaptive pitcher I've ever seen. Um, he's been able to uh, change his game so that he's now more, more focused on pinpoint accuracy versus overpowering you with a fastball. And that, that slider that he uses is just devastating. It, it, it doesn't, you know, move that much when you compare it to maybe a, a, you know, a pitch like Dustin may, you know, that he throws that sinker, but like, man, it fools batters like no one's business. He buries it in the, in that bottom part of the corner of the strike zone and right-handed batters just can't deal with it. Yeah. And no one is better at stealing strikes than Clayton Kershaw. He'll he's, he's stolen. I want to say thousands of strikes with that high curve ball starts way out of the zone comes down back it hits the top of the zone just steals a strike puts a batter in a hole and one point i also want to make clayton kershaw with his 2.89 era that's the worst of the five dodgers starters so <laughs> just just to recap clayton kershaw's 2.89 era is the worst of the dodgers five starters bauer at 2.7 urias at 2.84 Bueller at 150 and Dustin May at 1.74. It's ridiculous. We haven't even talked about the offense, but I mean, this pitching staff is absurd. Uh, Corey Knable also has not given up a run in uh, five and five and or a third hits. innings. This, or has he really not given up a hit? He has not given up a hit. And uh, there's just, we could just go on and on about this, but yes, Kershaw is is looking phenomenal after his first little blip on opening day. Yeah, I'll yeah, and just do, say and the do stat that point. now. Trevor Bauer and Corey Knable, the two biggest pitching acquisitions made by Andrew Friedman this offseason. Opponents are hitting a combined seven for 81 against those two pitchers, which is an 086 batting average, 35 strikeouts. And I already said Knable hasn't given up a hit. Bauer has taken it. Bauer had two starts against the Rockies where he had one hit combined over the first 12 innings, if you want to add him up. So he's been on a tear. And just to put it into context, the Dodgers are third in the majors in starters ERA at 2.44. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So there's a pitcher that we talk about a lot, but now he's angry. And I'm referring to Kenley <laughs> Jansen. He retired California love in case you haven't heard it's gone. So if you were looking forward to hearing that at Dodger stadium, when the Dodgers are up, three runs or less. You're not going to hear it anymore. He changed it to another Tupac song, America's Most Wanted. So he, he basically said he retired that song. Enough is enough. He's pitching angry out there. And so far, he's dealing. He said he wants to bring another title to Los Angeles. His last two outings, he went two innings pitched, five strikeouts, and the velocity has been hovering somewhere between 90 and 95. So I know it's a little all over the place. But when Jansen's getting to 94, 95, that is vintage Kelly Jansen right there. I also would like to point out, or just maybe ask you guys, were any of those appearances that you just mentioned, Kevin, on back-to-back -back days? <laughs> no, 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 they were not. And that's the point. So let's, let's do that. 
I mean, that that's a formula that we know works, doesn't work every time, but we know it works and we shouldn't be putting him out there back-to-back games. I mean, we saw what happened in Oakland and then Roberts gave him a few days off and he comes back in and absolutely shoves and then shoves again last night. So to me, it's, it, it, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, look, their bullpen is so good. Their pitching staff is so good. Why not just pitch Kenley Jansen no more than two times a week, give him two days off in between games. And then those innings that you're going to get, chances are, are going to be dominant. He's going to be hitting 94, 95. He's going to get the job done probably nine times out of 10. And there you go. You got your closer two days a week. Use the other guys for the other games. It's, it's not that it's really not that complicated. And also with this offense being as high powered as it is, you're probably not going to have that many save opportunities. And when you spread the save opportunities out to a few other guys, that's only going to help everybody in the bullpen. Yeah, we, Jansen 100%. has three saves. Knabel has two saves, and then you have basically what could be other two other closers in Blake Trinan and Victor Gonzalez. So the options are certainly there. And Bruce Targratterall is going to be and coming. Yeah. He'll be back any day now. Yeah, they said uh, he's going to be at the alternate site for the Padres series, and we'll probably I would guess we'll see him the next series after that. So we got a fan question. Coming on Twitter from at Josh the Flip. Should Zach McKinstry be an everyday starter? And I'll just read the stats real quick. This rookie is on a tear. He was a late 33rd round pick, I believe. He's off to a 333 batting average, three home runs, 11 RBIs, and a 1.088 OPS. So should he be an everyday starter? I think as long as he's hitting, he should find a spot in this lineup. And because he can play all over the field, he can fit in anywhere. I think you got to continue to go with whoever the hot bat is. And right now that's Zach McKinstry. We maybe can talk a little bit about Gavin Lux because he has, you know, slumped a little bit since his sort of hot start uh, at the beginning there. But I think McKinstry should start as long as he's hitting as well. Yeah, you know, I want to say yes, but with this Dodgers roster, the only two guys who are technically, I would say three guys with Bellinger on the, on the IL who are everyday starters are Seager, Betts and Turner. Uh, everyone else just gets mixed in, mixed out what about a lot Muncie of days too? off uh, and, and Muncie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think, you know, everyone else isn't really going to be an everyday starter, but in terms of, should he play as much as he is? Absolutely. Uh, I think with Bellinger out now, you're going to see a lot more opportunities for McKinstry to play, which, we, which we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's really early. It's April 15th. It's Jackie Robinson Day, which I want to talk about as well. So it's, it's kind of early to essentially bench someone. But I mean, Zach McKinstry is earning this job over Gavin Lux right now. Jake mentioned the slump. Lux is three for his last 25 Overall in this season, he's batting 220 with a 244 on base, no home runs, five RBIs. And what's really killing Gavin Lux is his inability to essentially hit the breaking ball. He's batting 100 against that pitch. And I think pitchers are throwing it more and more to him, understanding that he can't hit it. And, you know, baseball is a game of adjustments. And I'm at the rate McKintree is going, it's hard not to just find a way to play him every day because he is a valuable bat right now. Yeah, yeah, but hear me out. Here's here's what I got to say. 
we know Lux's talent. Uh, the Dodgers are 10 and two. You got to send him out there. You got to get him the at bats. You got to get him the experience. Yeah, his, he's hitting 220 right now, but his expected batting average is 258. So he's hit into a little bit of bad luck. Uh, he's getting some hard contact that's going into the, into the player's gloves. What he's got to do is just play. And that's what Dave Roberts is doing. And I give him credit. Uh, is McKinstry on fire right now? And should he be playing on any other team every day? Yes. But with Gavin Lux, you can't just, you can't just not play him anymore. We saw what Gavin Lux can do when he has confidence. We saw what he was doing in spring training. So what Lux needs is just to keep playing. He'll find the holes with, with the bat and uh, he'll, he'll pick back up where he left off, but he's got to get the at-bats. I think that there needs to be a little bit of consistency with where Lux bats in the lineup. I think that that can really mess with a young, with a young player if yeah. they don't know where they're going to hit. And he's kind of been up and down the order. He's been fifth. He's been first. He's been second. He's been eighth. I, I would just like to see him hit seventh or eighth. Just put him at the bottom of that order. Let him figure it out. I think this is the first year we are seeing what Gavin Lux is made of as a starter. And I'm with David on this one. I think that they need to stick with him. Um, don't give up on him yet. And McKinstry will find spots to play. It's not like second base is the only position that McKinstry can play. We know he can play everywhere else and Lux too. He can play second and short, but right now that second base job has to be Lux's because we need, we need him, um, you know, just as, just as much as anybody else. I mean, with all due yeah. respect, you look at throughout the prospect ranking throughout where they were drafted. Zach McKintry, since he's been on the Dodgers organization, all he's done is hit as well. And I think people kind of get attached to that. Gavin Lux was like the number one prospect or whatever. Throw that out. You know, whether you steal some at bats from AJ Pollock, even maybe Chris Taylor a little bit and Gavin Lux, you got to just keep throwing McKintry out there because all he's been doing is hitting and you do not want him to slow down by any means. Right, but I th- but I think because he can play everywhere, there always I think there's always going to be a spot for him. I mean, if you think about like Pollock does not deserve to be out there right now. Chris Taylor does, so that's a little bit of a of an issue. But you've got Bellinger out right now. You don't know when he's going to come back. Roberts is kind of befuddled. They thought he was going to come back this weekend against the Padres, but now that's kind of out the window. We don't know when he's going to be back. So. McKinstry's going to have a spot out there. And while he does keep Lux in there, what's the harm? The Dodgers are winning anyway. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. You got to get it. You got to get his confidence back up. Cause once that confidence is up, he's going to be hitting just like McKinstry is, but yes, I, I agree with Jake. You, you find a spot for McKinstry. And speaking of Lux, they just said he was scratched from tonight's lineup with some wrist soreness. So we're going to get our first adventure of Max Muncy at second base tonight. <laughs> so How who's, playing, who's playing first? Uh, Rios. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything. He's getting his first career start. Luke Rayleigh is. I mean, I agree that you got to get Lux the at bats, but at the same time, like Justin Turner wasn't a high pick. Muncie wasn't a high pick. Maybe McKinstry is that next just surprise out of nowhere. So we'll see. He's only 26, too. So he might have a bright future. Can we we talk about. Can we, can we talk about Luke Rayleigh for a second, or did you want to move on to something else? Go for it. He got his first career hit with the Dodgers. Yeah, looked good. Little slicing fly ball down the left field line, and he's making his first career start tonight, which is cool. Um, a little mystified, though, as to why they brought him up instead of DJ Peters. It just seems like they are very left-handed heavy, 
and Roberts doesn't really have the ability right now to kind of go lefty righty like he likes to. Um, it's just a little curious. I, I, I wonder what, what went into that decision. You know, I think they're, they're content with just having Pollock and, you know, Taylor as the righties, basically. Uh, I think Rayleigh is, you know, he's a little bit older. Uh, he's, they both deserve a shot, honestly. Uh, and I don't think there's, I honestly don't think it would make that much of a difference. I think Peters is going to get his shot when he gets his shot. Uh, and I think, you know, this is only going to be for a few more days anyway. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting decision, but, you know, I don't think they were really factoring in the left, left, right side of things. All right. So I mentioned it's Jackie Robinson day. They do it traditionally every April 15th. I remember going to one of the first ones, I think Bud Selig was there in attendance. He, he officially declared it a holiday. I, I might, I might be mistaken, but I think so. It was like the early 2000s. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on just kind of what Jackie Robinson in general, his importance to the game of baseball, and if you've been to any Jackie Robinson games. I mean, the fact that the Dodgers' history includes the legacy and the legend of Jackie Robinson is just one more reason why I love being a fan of this team. I mean, the fact that they were the first team to break the color barrier with Jackie Robinson is just such uh, it's, it's what this franchise is about in a nutshell. It's about opportunity. It's about inclusion. And it, it's an incredible um, thing to remember uh, uh, the, the first game that he had in 1947. And then also for, for me, like thinking about, where my love for baseball came from. My grandfather passed it down to my father, my father to me. My grandfather was a New York Giants fan and my dad grew up a New York Giants fan uh, as well. But what made my grandfather jump from Giants to Dodgers was because of Jackie Robinson. And which is a crazy thought to me because if you think about anybody today jumping allegiances from teams, you wouldn't see that. And you especially wouldn't see that going from giants to Dodgers or Dodgers to giants. So uh, for me, there's a lot of history behind it. And I, I really love the fact that every team is in on it. They're all wearing 42. Uh, it's the one day that they do that. And 42 is obviously retired across the league. And so every day that we can, you know, we can look back on that and remember, you know, what he meant to this game and what he meant to American history is, is a great day. Yeah. Very well said. And uh, I think it's very cool that a bunch of players, uh, Mookie Betts, David Price, Dave Roberts, and a few others uh, don't are donating their game checks today to the players Alliance uh, charity, which is also very cool. A bunch of other players from major league baseball are doing the same thing, uh, but it's very cool to reflect back on the history. And it's, it's cool that the Dodgers are, are at the forefront of it. All right, so we were supposed to be joined by Danny Vietti of CBS Sports MLB, but like the Padres in the NLDS, I guess he's not showing up. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to carry on and do this ourselves because we're, we're experts as well, so we got this. Dodgers, Padres, the 10-2 and two Dodgers going down to Petco Park facing the 9-5 and five San Diego Padres, and believe it or not, the Giants are in the middle of that, but I'm sure they're not going to carry on. Regardless, on paper, 
I think this is the matchup of the best two teams in baseball, and it's going to be one hell of a series. So let's start. Initial thoughts. Dodgers beat the Padres six of the 10 games in 2020, and then they swept them in the NLDS after all the rap videos, all the crap talking, the celebrating in the streets. We basically humiliated them. But obviously the Padres had a lot of turnover this offseason. So we'll start it pretty brief. What are, you, what are you looking for in this series? Go ahead, David. Uh, I'm worried for the Padres in the sense that I think they're bringing back Fernando Tatis Jr. a little bit too early. Uh, we saw what happened with the shoulder. He Same thing happened in spring training. So this would be if he gets hurt again. It would be the third time in, in less than two months, and it would probably mean the end of his season. Uh, but look, the Padres and injuries and injuries don't go well together. They don't manage injuries well. So frankly, you know, I'm not looking at this series as anything other than a regular series. They play they play the Padres 19 times. Would it be nice to to sweep them? Sure, but frankly, I don't care. I don't really mind if the Dodgers get swept. Uh, I I just hope that. Tatis is going to be okay. And I hope that the Dodgers come out of it healthy as well. Cause we got some injuries ourselves. I'll just say this. I am in no way a fan of this franchise, nor am I a fan of their fans because they're completely obnoxious. But I will say this is that I am really happy that AJ Preller and the rest of this organization went out and basically for the last two or three seasons have tried to build a team to beat the Dodgers. I respect it. And I think it's great for the NL West because for the last eight seasons, the Dodgers have kind of run away with the division uh, more or less. And this is the first time this year that they are going to be challenged 19 times this year. And they, the Padres are going to be right there with the Dodgers pretty much the whole season. We may even see the two of these teams jockeying for first place at some point. I do think the Dodgers are going to come out on top in this division, but I think this is great for the NL West. It's great for baseball. I'm excited to see these matchups. I too am a little worried about Fernando Tatis Jr. I do think this team is good enough to survive without him while he fully recovers, which I've said over and over again. But one of the other matchups I'm really excited to see is Trevor Bauer versus Machado. I think that that is going to be uh, some, some must-see TV. Yeah, absolutely. And the Padres today did announce that they expect Tati Jr. to be in the lineup tomorrow. So we'll see if that actually happens. This team is never fully honest with how they roll things out. And Cody Bellinger is expected to not be activated off the IL. So that's all you need to know about these organizations, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. yeah. One injury is way less severe than the other. And who, which one's coming off the DL, the more severe one. So, so these pitching matchups are awesome. Kicks off Friday night, Walker Bueller versus the young lefty Ryan Weathers. And then Saturday, a marquee matchup of Clayton Kershaw versus Yu Darvish. And then the finale, both these guys are on new teams now. It's Trevor Bauer versus Blake Snell. So we'll start with the Friday matchup real quick first. I just want to say Walker Bueller in his past has owned this Padres team. He's 4-0 with a 136 ERA. 33 innings pitched, 45 strikeouts over five starts. And Ryan Weathers, though he's really young, he's only 21, a first-rounder. We did actually see him make his major league debut, which was kind of crazy, in the NLDS against the Dodgers, and he held his own. 
yeah, he, he did. Uh, and he was only the second player ever in, in MLB history to make his debut in the postseason. And the first one uh, was the Ray starter about a week earlier than him. Uh, so yeah, Bueller, the Padres lineup, Padres rosters is six for, for 43 against Bueller. Myers and Grisham each have a home run. Other than that, nothing, nothing going on. We haven't really seen weathers other than that outing. Uh, this is a good warm up uh, for the next two matchups. Uh, but like Kevin said, I'm expecting Bueller to do big things. Obviously, Weathers is is a left-hander, so that might give the Dodgers some problems. But look, the guy the guy I'm really thinking is going to make a big difference in this series, although he's facing two left-handers, is Max Muncy. But I'll I'll, I'll give Jake a, a chance to talk here before I get into Muncy. I just think that where Walker Bueller's at right now is just uh, unbelievable. I think this guy is probably the most underrated on this staff at least under talked about because he is is not as sort of uh, attention grabby as trevor bauer obviously you've got the legacy of clayton kershaw and and the rest of these guys but walker bueller man 1-0 150 era um 12 innings pitched a 0.83 whip uh, 222 batting average against this guy is on fire it doesn't seem like his blister or any of those issues are bothering him right now he is on top of the world and these pitching matchups are going to be a lot of fun especially trevor bauer versus blake snell that's the one i'm most excited for yeah that's the main event of this uh fight card i don't i don't know i'm pretty intrigued about the clay and kershaw you darvish one as well that's those are probably the best two established pitchers in this entire slate and they're friends, if you didn't know that. Clayton Kershaw and Yu Darvish used to work together in the offseason, and then this past offseason, Yu Darvish, when he got traded to the Padres, I guess Clayton Kershaw cut off communication. So <laughs> it, it's always nice to get a little payback, too. Yu Darvish actually historically has owned this Dodgers team <laughs> in the lineup. They have an 0-42 average against, 27 at-bats, and 16 strikeouts, so they got to do better than that. But I'm yeah, interested I mean, to see that what That brings David me to my... Go ahead. I wanted to hear your Max Muncy or whatever you're about to say. Yeah. So I think they're going to give Muncy a day off either against Snell or against Weathers because of the lefty, but he's going to play at least two games in this series. And this dude is the hottest hitter on the Dodgers lineup. I know Turner. I know what Turner's doing. I know what McKinstry's doing, but Max Muncy is a man on fire right now. He's hitting 368 with an OPS of 1.152, which is ridiculous. He's in the top 2% in walk percentage which we know is, is going to be the trend for Muncie. He's also in the hundredth percentile in chase rate, the hundredth percentile. So he is leading the league in chase rate. He doesn't swing at balls. He just doesn't. Furthermore, for the first time in his career, he's in the top 10% in K percentage. In 2018, 19, and 20, he was never below 20 for 24% K percentage. This year, he's at 12%. His hard hit percentage, 43.8%. And finally... His batting average on balls in play is 400. So to summarize what that means in common, in common terms, he's either walking or he's getting on base by, by hitting the ball where the players are not. Uh, it's amazing what I've seen from Muncie this year. It's a complete 180 from last year where he was struggling. He was striking out. Couldn't really do anything besides the long ball. This year he's doing everything. He is not, he hasn't, I don't know if he's swung at a ball this entire year. Uh, and when he's not walking, he's just simply hitting the ball over the fence, hitting the ball in the gap, 
or uh, just simply making things happen. So I think he's going to be the X factor, even though I think he gets a day off. It's just incredible to me, guys like Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, where where were they before before the Dodgers got a hold of them? And now they are superstars. I mean, that is just a crazy, a crazy uh, development that that has happened with this organization. It's just wild. Yeah, so- this Dodgers lineup, they have six guys with an OPS above 1,000. And the seventh, Chris Taylor, is at .998. Seven guys with an OPS above 1,000. And eight, if you include Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> they are very good. But the Padres have some good bats as well, which I want to talk about in a minute. Uh, combining regular season and postseason last year, a couple guys that really crushed the Padres, Mookie Betts was one of them, 16 for 39, equating to a 410 batting average. He also sees Blake Snell very well as well. We can talk about that in a moment. Will Smith killed this team as well. Besides that five-hit postseason game, which was a record, combining both the regular season and postseason, he was 10 for 28, a 357 average, eight RBIs. And in the regular season, Chris Taylor had a 994 OPS and, of course, made that amazing throw to tag out Greasem at home plate, ending that game. The Padres, on the other hand, Last season, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. didn't do too well against the Dodgers. Machado had three home runs, but he only batted 220. Tatis Jr. had two home runs as well, but he was also 10 for 50 when you combine regular season and postseason. And Trent Grissom had two home runs against the Dodgers. And Will Myers, probably their best bat against the Dodgers, a 1.144 OPS, and he hit three solo home runs against us. So those are, those are definitely the guys, in my opinion, you have to keep your eye out on. I know they still have Eric Hosmer as well and Jake Cronenworth, but those, those, those are the names that are going to be the ones that get to the Dodgers, in my opinion. And it'll be curious to see what happens with Will Myers because he is apparently hurt with right knee inflammation. He was supposed to be back in the lineup on Thursday, uh, well, today, and, but wasn't in the lineup. So not sure if he will show up this weekend. Maybe, maybe not. So that's something to keep, keep an eye on. Um, one other guy I want to, want to highlight, you kind of touched on Trent Grisham, but like this guy is, is doing pretty well so far this season. He, uh, is tied for the lead team lead in home runs with three. Uh, he has a 1.179 OPS, uh, 750 slugging 429 on base. Um, he's hitting, re- he's hitting the ball really well. And then I want to talk a little bit about Tatis Jr. Just real quick. I know we mentioned that he obviously is going to be playing in this series. And there are some interesting things that have happened uh, since he was injured that the Padres are trying to adjust the way he plays baseball, which is kind of interesting. And what I mean by that is, is that the, apparently according to AJ Preller, their GM, he is there. They're trying to change his swing from a one-handed follow-through to a two-handed follow-through because of what, you know, the the fact that he hurt his left shoulder, dislocated it partially, and he has a partially torn labrum. So his swing is going to be changed. And they also told him, hey, let's limit the t- amount of times you uh, do a head-first slide. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on uh, as, as we watch this. I mean, look, when you're talking about that, I mean, he's not ready to come back. He's just not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation and I hope he ends up okay. Uh, Obviously I'm, I'm hoping the Dodgers take, you know, two out of three from the pods. Uh, But like I said, 
this is a series in April. The Dodgers are going to win over 100 games, and I think they're going to win the NL West uh, pretty pretty handily. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about the results here. Uh, but the guys to keep an eye on, like Kevin said, unfortunately is Manny Machado, uh, who has tremendous success against Kershaw and Trevor Bauer. Uh, against Kershaw, he's 5 for 18 with two home runs. And against Bauer, he's 10 for 17 with four home runs. Uh, so he's going to be the X factor there. The Padres are going to live and die with Machado in this series. Grisham's going to be involved. Cronenworth's going to be involved. We'll see about Myers. We'll see what Tatis does. Uh, but, hey, look at the Dodgers. We're winning games without our star guys. So this is going to be a fun series. As Trevor Bauer would say, this is his time. He's going to flip that script real quick when he's talking about head-to-head against Manny Machado. So look forward to that. But obviously – Yeah, I think this is his real first test as a Dodger. Uh, I think yeah. this is where, you know, he's going to have to earn his, his paycheck. Uh, obviously we saw him, you know, against the Rockies twice. Uh, and I think first the nationals again, uh, but Hey, this is what, this is why the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer right here. Yeah. I want to say it was, it was the A's Oakland. Yeah. Okay. A's, but, yeah, yeah. but regardless, so you guys talked about the big matchup. Everyone wants to watch is going to be obviously Trevor Bauer versus Blake Snell and yeah Blake Snell was on the Tampa Bay Rays he got pulled yada 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 well that happened again in his last start he was only able to go two-thirds of an innings he gave up three runs he had no control they had to pull him close to 40 pitches he threw a little fit in the dugout I, I, I actually don't know what the the reasoning behind pulling him so early was I don't know if it was to prepare him for this series or not but yeah, I'm very curious to see what what kind of Blake Snell we get because he's not been that good this season. 435 ERA I'll take, but he has a 165 whip, which tells me he has no control. Yeah, and one of the things I did want to ask uh, Danny Vietti uh, before he snubbed us was, um, <laughs> does he think that there is any sort of friction between Blake Snell and manager Jace Tingler? It seems it wasn't the first time that Snell kind of sneered at jace tingler like the it happened in a previous start too when he was removed so i don't know what's going on there but it doesn't doesn't look good he doesn't look sharp and i'll pose this question to you guys do you think the dodgers are petty enough to start austin barnes two days in a row so that he can face blake snell because we know he's going to catch clayton kershaw will they send him out there to catch trevor bauer i don't think they will because there's no dh I, I, I agree. I think we've seen Smith catch Bauer a lot this year. All, I think maybe all three starts, uh, but that would be very hilarious. Just play Austin Barnes at second base. See <laughs> yes. what happens. Just get, re- get oh really my. weird about it. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that would be terrific. But one thing I'm really sad about, like truly, truly sad, is that Chris Paddock will not be pitching in this series. Yes. Nobody, nobody in MLB is more fun to play against than Chris Paddock. Period. Yep. Apparently, Chris Paddock eats an entire pizza before every start, which is just insane. Maybe that's why he's terrible because he's so greased out of his mind. Yeah, and I feel like it's not like a good pizza either. Like we don't need to debate what kind of pizza it is, but I feel like he's teetering on like the Papa John's Domino's <laughs> type of pizza. Oh, know? he's totally a Papa John's guy. No, yeah. there's something else happening before first pitch Friday night, and they're gonna have a ceremony for Joe Musgrove for throwing the first no-hitter in franchise history. I don't know why they chose to do it Friday. 
Musgrove isn't pitching that series, obviously. And the Dodgers aren't going to give a shit about this. So just weird. Yeah, it is. It is weird that they wouldn't do it when, because they're coming back home. They were just in Pittsburgh. So why wouldn't they wait until a Joe Musgrove start to do it? Um, But with that being said, I do love this story. I mean, the fact that, that Joe Musgrove grew up in El Cajon, California, which is in San Diego County, uh, San Diego Padres native, pitching a no-hitter uh, for the first time in franchise history. He grew up a Padres fan. He wears number 44 because he's a huge Jake Peavy fan, which I think is really cool. And the other thing that I found out that was really interesting about that no-hitter or about the Padres in general is that they've never had a pitcher take a no-hitter into the ninth before. So he was the first guy to do that. They've had a bunch of seventh and eighth inning guys, but never a ninth inning guy. And Joe Musgrove did that. That's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not hating on the ceremony. I think it is a cool, they finally, you know, they finally got one. So I'm not hating on it. I would like to know, you know, I'm not, I don't know exact, the exact date of when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles. Um, I'm looking at the Dodgers no hitters right now. We'd have to go back and ask someone in the, in the fifties or the sixties, uh, if the Dodgers had a ceremony for that. Uh, so we'll see, but <laughs> right. first technically, and, and, technically <laughs> the first no hitter in Dodgers history, according to the internet was in 1884. I was just so, going to say that. So I'm not sure anyone is still alive, uh, from that period to find out if they did a ceremony, but, uh, good for the Padres for getting it about 200 years later. And if they are still alive, they probably don't remember it. Support for The Incline is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. April is here, and you know what that means. Baseball is back, baby. So dust off your mitt and cleats this spring and be ready for first pitch. Just like the crew will be mowing their stadium grass, Manscaped products provide the best tools for your own personal grooming experience. That's right, Kevin. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. That's a lot of dudes. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, though, 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code INCLINE20. Manscaped even hooked us up with a bunch of tools from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Trust me, as someone who has sensitive skin, the Lawnmower 3.0 with their advanced skin-safe technology provides smooth precision, and it's waterproof to make your shave clean and easy. So guys and ladies who are listening, get 20% off plus free shipping with Incline20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code INCLINE20. So strike out your pubes with Manscaped this season. Your balls will thank you. Okay, so real quick on the no-hitter front, the first no-hitter in Los Angeles Dodgers history was Sandy Koufax in 1962. He proceeded to throw another one in 1963, another one in 1964, and then the famous perfect game in 1965. So I hope they had a ceremony for Sandy at least once. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't around to see it. Do you guys remember who threw the last no-hitter at Dodger Stadium? Was it Ramon or Fernando? The uh, Dodgers no-hitter or... Last no hitter, like by a Dodger, like by a Dodger, or just nope. Any hitter. Well, was it Mike Fires? No, or Jake, Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta. Oh, okay. I see, oh. I got it. <laughs> All right, but so- I thought you meant by a do- I thought you meant by a Dodger. Well, then it would have been Kershaw. Yeah. Oh, duh. <laughs> unless, unless you count, technically no, unless you count that combined no hitter 
uh, where Bueller went th- six, Singrani, Yimmy Garcia. Oh, that was not that in Mexico, though? Yeah, that was in Mexico, so point stands. Oh, yeah, okay. Fair, fair. <laughs> all right, fair. so we talked hitters. We Let's just cut back. all that out. <laughs> we can go back on the hitters. <laughs> all right, we talked hitters. We talked starting pitchers. But there's one other thing that the Padres actually possess, which is legitimate for the first time. Not like last season when MLB crowned them the best bullpen and then that was fraudulent. This go-around, the Padres' bullpen is actually really good. They lead Major League Baseball. They have a 194 bullpen ERA. Emilio Pagan, Mark Melanson, Keone, Kayla, and Drew Pomerantz have not allowed a single run yet. So to me, that screams the Dodgers' keys to this series might be getting to those starting pitchers. Yeah, exactly. Getting to those starting pitchers early, wearing them down. They do that anyway, but that's a really good point. I also want to say that they, the Padres bullpen is second in the majors in whip with 0.9, with a 0.99 whip. So they, they are legit uh, in the bullpen. And I think it is a, it's a big reason why they are where they are right now, because offensively they've, they, they've not been as, uh, as good as the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but their but their bullpen and their starting pitching has been decent. Yeah, the Padres. Overall yeah, I'm going to take the pitching. opposite take there. What? Well, I uh, I mean maybe statistically sure, but I'm not I'm not getting on board with that. And I'm going to take the opposite take of, of you two. What I saw, what I see in that you know those four guys haven't given up a run. Their bullpen's doing good. Is that they're due to give up runs. Uh, relievers aren't perfect. Relievers falter all the time. Uh, you're not going to get a guy who's going to throw 20 straight innings without giving up a run. Rarely, rare, very rarely, maybe Josh Hader, you know, those kind of guys, but these guys are not on that level. They're good. Yes. Uh, but I think the key to the series, uh, quite frankly, is, is wearing down the starting pitchers and getting them out of the game and getting to this bullpen, uh, and getting the looks, especially in the first game, getting the looks, making them throw their, their top guys in the first game, and then wearing those guys down because these guys are due to give up runs. They're definitely due. I don't know. It's a little early right now. Like I made that, I called that shot against the Braves, and that certainly panned out. But the Padres overall, they seem pretty fresh, and they have the best starting. Not only do they have the best bullpen, they have the best overall pitching statistically with a 238-team ERA. But Dodgers are fourth, so at 285, so – Maybe we don't see the offensive sparks that people are hoping for. And we see a lot of great pitching duels. Yeah. And I think the reason that the Dodgers, the, the ERA is off is because of that first Colorado series. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's an excellent point. I mean, if anyone tries to tell you the Padres rotation is better than the Dodgers, uh, ask them what they're on and, and how can you get some because they're having a good time and they're in their mind right now. Also check their pulse. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what the Padres ERA looks like after this series. You know, this this is tough. I don't think we're going to see any offensive explosions against these three guys. You know, randomly Ryan Weathers concerns me just because those lefties just seem to get to us. Or Blake just Snell, any, any random 100%. pitcher. And yep. I'm afraid of any random pitcher because they tend to always, for some reason, stymie the Dodgers. I don't know what it is, yep. but like, there's always these random guys that come out and shove. And then Blake Snell yep. will probably go like 4.1 dominant innings and then they have to pull him because he's at 80 pitches. And then Padres fans are going to riot because they'll be like, why did you pull him so early without realizing Blake Snell cannot pitch deep 
in games at all to save his life. So keep a lookout for that because it's coming. So what are your final takeaways for this Dodgers Padres series? Any final hitters or pitchers that stand out to you from either side and maybe call your shot of who has the biggest series? Go ahead, David. I mean, I kind of already called mine. Uh, I know he's going to get a day off one of these games, but I think Max Muncy is going to have a, a, a big two games in this series. I think he's either going to get the first game off or the third game off. Uh, but I think he's going to have a good day against Darvish, and I think he's going to have a big series overall. I think uh, I think Will Smith's going to have a great series. I just think that he's been you know pretty solid so far, and he, he's had a couple of big games, but I think he destroys the Padres this weekend. Yeah, that's a good pick as well. He's crushed them in the past. I think the Dodgers will take two of the three. Not sure. I think they're guaranteed to win on Sunday. I think they might lose the first matchup and then take the next two. Uh, I'll go Corey Seager. He's he's due for some – he had his first home run of the season finally. I think he's got more left in the tank. Obviously, he's going to hit over 30. So I think he gets one or two. I think he'll take you Darvish deep. And I think the Dodgers' bullpen is going to get the job done. I think they give up maybe one run tops over this entire three-game stretch. This is going to be a fun series. I think, I think it's going to be um, a lot of back and forth and um, whether, whether that's, you know, pitching duels or uh, offensive explosions, I think we're going to see a bit of everything in this series. All right. So let's get to the final stages of the show. Obviously there was a nacho party last night. Justin Turner hit his third home run of the season already. He's on fire. But it's the talk of the internet, that Nacho guy. But you know what really pisses me off about Nacho guy? He wasn't wearing what, any any Dodgers memorabilia whatsoever. So is he actually a Dodgers fan or was he an undercover Rockies fan? Well, they gave him a Dodgers sweater. They did. So at least he had that. Um, look, I, I thought that was a, it was a cool moment. Um, I felt bad for everybody else that got sprayed with nacho cheese that didn't catch the ball because that sucks to be sitting there the rest of the game. They didn't get any sweaters. Um, and so at least he got an opportunity, but it didn't look like he changed out of his jacket, which was weird. I'm like, dude, like put the new sweater on, like, you know, um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was a fun moment. And um, it seems like each year now that those home run seats have netted some, something weird because I feel like the, the guy that got hit by the Will Smith, uh, the, the cardboard cutout guy that got hit by the Will Smith home yeah. run was in like the same spot. Yeah. I, think the seats I don't care general, about Nacho yeah. guy. Call me, call me a thief of joy. Call me a party pooper. I'm over it. I was over it once it happened. Congrats to the guy for getting the ball. Way to, way to use the nachos, I guess, but don't care. Prefer cardboard cutout guy. Honestly, listen, David baseball struggling to get new fans. We'll take it. I'll take this. This was a good, this was good. This is good content. It was shared around, it was shared around Twitter by millions of people and I'm, I'm happy about it. And it was a Dodger highlight. It was on, it was on the heels of a Justin Turner home run and Justin Turner was, was cool about it. Got the guy a new uh, set of nachos. Um, I'm, I'm all for any, any viral video like that in baseball. Yeah. We had the course yeah, cat yeah. as well. The cat was awesome. I prefer the cat too. And uh, 
it the one thing I did take away because I'm I've been experienced trauma as a Dodgers fan in the past is I don't want to see any of that in the playoff games. Uh, they had to review if that guy put his hands over the fence to see if that was a home run. If you're sitting in the home run seats during a playoff game, keep your hands to yourself. If you get hit with a ball in the chest, wear it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to, I don't want you to affect the Dodgers home run. I don't want you to, to be a Steve Bartman moment. Uh, we need to have the ushers personally talk to these people in these home run seats for the playoffs. I know, I know as a Dodgers fan, I know what can happen. It's a good point. That's my concern with Nacho guy. Yeah. Well, we had one home run taken away from us when Cody Bellinger, what could have been an opening day home run. So that still, that still hurts because Bellinger has zero home runs. And yeah, that would have really stung if we lost that Turner home run as well. Um, what are your guys' final thoughts? Anything around major league baseball in general, that's just happening. That's caught your eye. I know Carlos Rodon threw a no hitter just the other night against the Cleveland Indians, which was a really cool story. He had shoulder surgery. Then he had Tommy John surgery. And he's like the first pitcher in major league history to throw a no hitter in under two years since returning from Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I love stuff like that. It's just so, so cool. I was watching the last few innings of that game and just the, the pure joy on his face of his teammates faces uh, pitching a no hitter was just, was just unbelievable. And we got, you know, it was the second no hitter in like a couple of days. So that's, that's pretty cool too. But the one point I do want to make about that game and something that has really irked me so far this season is that we're not enforcing the rule that you need to at least attempt to get out of the way of a thrown pitch. I mean, that's the rule, right? If you are hit by a pitch, you need to at least make an attempt to get out of the way. And Carlos Rodon would have pitched a perfect game had uh, Roberto Perez moved his foot, but he didn't move his foot at all. And the ball hit him on the top of the shoe and he went to first base. So that really bothers me. And I think umpires need to enforce that rule from here on out. And that same, similarly with what happened with Michael Conforto that we already talked about, same, same type of deal. Yeah. And Max Scherzer years ago was going to throw a perfect game and someone on the pirates, I already forgot his name, a bot or something crazy purposely went into the pitch, which disrupted it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's egregious. It's egregious. And if, if David has any thoughts on this, I have something else that I want to get off my chest. Um, not really. Uh, my two takes on this are three takes. I I'm very happy for Carlos Rodon. I've been a believer in him for a long time. So it's nice to see him come back from all the injuries and all that stuff. Number two, Rob Manfred needs to go back and give Armando Galarraga that no hitter slash perfect game that umpire Jim Joyce ruined. Uh, we have replay now. Uh, it's very clear that he was, he was out, uh, go back, award him the perfect game. And number three, I will predict that Trevor Bauer throws a no hitter this year. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. He almost did in Colorado. Um, he did. The one thing I want to get off my chest and I, and I'm going to have a, a, a really, you know, tough reaction to this or sharp reaction or whatever you want to call it before it even happens. But the Atlantic league, which is typically where they try out all these new rules that major league baseball wants to see if they work are implementing yeah, this is two, so dumb. two new rules. One of them is that they're moving the pitching rubber back a foot, which 
you know, is stupid, but I don't want to get into that. What I want to get into is the new double hook rule, which attaches the designated hitter to the starting pitcher. So for example, if you take your starter out, you lose your DH for the rest of the game and you have to, um, you know, essentially pinch it for the pitcher or have your reliever hit in the order, which really bothers me because, and what, and the idea is, is that what they want is less pitching changes. And what they want is to extend starters uh, outings and have them pitch more innings. But what it also does is that let's say, let's take Blake Snell the other night did clearly didn't have it or for whatever reason, let's say the Padres had a DH. That means Chase Tingler has to decide, okay, do I want to lose my DH for the rest of the game or let my starter keep pitching and build up a deficit that's insurmountable so that we can't even come back? Or do I take my starter out, lose my DH, and we have less of a chance of coming back because now we've lost one of our best hitters in the lineup? It already is a disaster, and I know they're trying it out in double A, but I really am worried about some of these rules that could make it to the big leagues eventually. You're, you're absolutely right, and I'll just say this. This is never going to see the light of day in Major League Baseball. Never. There, he's who, Who's ever in charge of this is just a mad scientist right now trying to experiment and tinker with all this stuff. Never going to see the light of day. I still am on the side. Like I don't need the DH in the National League. I enjoy baseball as it is, one through eight, and then having the pitcher bat. Like, the problem is still is not we don't need more offense. Like The Dodgers – 2019 through like 2017 we're one of the top three teams in offense is a was it nice in a 60 game season yeah because it was just a weird year but like i am perfectly happy with having pitchers bat i think it's exciting to watch clayton kershaw hit or trevor bauer attempt to hit at least and then it gives more flexibility later in the game to use pitch hitters because we're actually seeing guys like Beatty and rios and paula coming off the bench and i know they're not producing obviously but I like the strategy aspect of it. I do too. And I'm on, I'm all for keeping the DH out of the national league, but if I'm being realistic, we know that the DH is coming and it's going to be a universal DH soon. And if this double hook rule is being discussed and if they like it and if, I mean, I just don't want to see that anywhere near the major leagues. I can see the benefits of a DH because you know, you're giving guys rest last year. The Dodgers had about 16 players at the DH position throughout the season. And that was used as a strategy to get rest for players, for older players, like, like a Justin Turner. Um, but it also could give guys like Beatty or Rios more at bats and keep them sharper uh, because those guys aren't getting that many at bats anyway. And if you're only giving them one at bat once in a while in a pinch hit role, it's harder to stay sharp. So I understand both sides of it. I just hate this double hook rule and I can already tell it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's always interesting to see how MLB is trying to ruin the game because they've done a good job <laughs> over the last yeah, few years. They do a really good job. <laughs> I do like the three-batter minimum rule. I, I might be one of the in the minority on that, but I actually like that rule. I hate the amount of pitching changes that there were in the past, especially when it was like one batter, new pitcher, another batter, new pitcher. It was just getting out of control. So I think that's done a good job of minimizing it to an extent but I know there, there are some cons to that as well. Yeah, I agree. So, any other final thoughts, Dodgers talk, NL West? This is your time. Throw it out there right now. We're going on locker room Friday after Friday evening, 6 o'clock Pacific. We're doing a live preview, Dodgers, Padres. But this is your opportunity to come chat with us. 
whether you want to just hang out and listen or request to speak and get involved in the discussion. So download the Locker Room app on the iOS Apple Store and sign up ASAP. That way you can get in and join the fun. Yeah, and we really do want you to come talk to us. Like we 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 want you to engage with us. And I know some some people may think, oh, well, they're just doing their own their own podcast. We really want to open it up to everyone. We do these podcast episodes ever so often, and and that's just the three of us. But when we're on locker room, we want people to 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 talk and engage with us. You can call us out for being stupid. You can praise us for being great. Uh, whatever you want to say, we'd love to hear it. Yep, agreed. Call me stupid, please. I, I encourage it. Uh, but my final thought is I'm super looking forward to Sunday's game. Bauer versus Snell. Uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to the first two, but that one is circled on the calendar for me. So this is going to be a fun series. That it will be. And the Dodgers, after that series, they'll play another team, and then they play the Padres again for four more Thursday through Sunday. So – Look out next week for another episode from us. We'll be talking about this series right now, and then we'll be previewing that series. So subscribe to us. We're on basically every podcast platform that exists, and you can follow us on social media as well. All those are below in the description. So join the fun. It's been a great Dodger season thus far. They're 10-2. and two. I don't see how you can complain. Leave Jansen alone. He's doing great. And... And no booing, no booing our guys. We're not, we're not the Yankees. We're not the Red Sox. No booing Billies. our guys, please. Shout out to Alex Verdugo, former Dodger, essentially carrying the Red Sox offense with JD Martinez right now. So big fan of him. Keep it up. Kike, you're not doing so well. Neither is Jock. So look up their numbers. <laughs> they're, do, they're doing bad. So McKinstry filling in the void. Let him play every day. He, he earned it. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of The Incline. Have a great weekend and we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.